Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Bleed Hockey Podcast, episode 86. Um, I know I wanted to put this out and record it on a Sunday. Well, not a Sunday. Just today is Sunday. On a Saturday, along with doing a Game of the Night review for the uh, PHF's Metropolitan Riveters versus Toronto 6 game. Um, but long story short, schedule scheduling changed how to be flexible um ride that out and um yeah we're 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 good now we we don't have this problem uh anymore at least for now um but um i'll make up that uh i'll definitely make up the uh phf review game on the 18th and i'll just do that matchup and i think it's against the uh team that i almost picked to be my phf team the uh minnesota whitecaps uh they'll be facing off uh against them on uh next weekend the 18th and 19th and uh yeah along with um i don't know depending on if i get to go because i worked the 17th for the 17th game, so I can't go to that. But the 15th game, um, the national team for the national teams for both United States women's and Canadian women's hockey teams will be uh, in St. Louis playing at the practice facility for the Blues um, rolling in the town. And uh, if I have time, I'll uh, definitely want to swing over there because uh, I, I am interested in looking at that uh over there so uh that's cool but yeah um safe to say this season definitely interesting uh to kick this off uh the vancouver canucks complete decided you know what we just need to completely just change the entire front office top to bottom as well as the coach like anyone that makes a decision in this franchise is done. You're, you're done. So not only. So first off, Vancouver Canucks relieve head coach Travis Green of his duties. Replace him with Bruce Boudreau. Um, oh, Bruce Boudreau back at it again. Uh, and the Vancouver Canucks have relieved uh, general manager uh, Jim Benning. Uh, and he is fired along with assistant general manager John Wiesbrod, uh, both gone. Stan Smile has been named the interim, interim general manager, and uh, Ryan Johnson has been named interim assistant general manager at that point. Because right after that, they made a call to the old JR, Jim Rutherford. Heard that he was available after uh, no longer being the... Uh, the guy in Pittsburgh uh, for about a year now. Um, and the Vancouver Canucks like, all right, hey, you're our new leader. You're a new leader. Um, fuck this Stan Smile guy. Uh, you are the new leader now, uh, at least for the time being. So he is has the official, he has the official note of being the Vancouver Canucks' new president of hockey operations. So he's, you know, the head guy, along with being, um and the interim general general manager he's not officially the general manager so uh interim 
going with that. Along with the firing and back to more firings for the Canucks, they also relieved the director of hockey, hockey operations, Jonathan Wall, as well as assistant general manager Chris Gear of their duties. Just absolutely ripping and tearing through that uh, entire leadership group for the Canucks. Um, but yeah, um, now I just got to hope that uh, they turn it around, uh, to say the least. But we just got to wait and see. And the firings don't stop there. But they do stop there, at least for the time being for the Canucks. But the Philadelphia Flyers, another, I guess, kind of an ironic reason why I'm wearing a Blues jersey. Because uh, I figure, hey, got to put the old, uh, got to bring the trumpets back. I haven't worn them in a while. But uh, to get back on task, um, the Philadelphia Flyers have relieved head coach Aline Vigneault and assistant coach Michael Terrian of their duties. Why does the St. Louis Blues and Philadelphia Flyers have anything to do with this? I'll tell you why. Both, I can't really say that they both have the similarity on how far down the standings they are, but right around this time, fired their coach. And it just so, just so happens. Um, Although it is kind of ass backwards because Mike Yo was the coach for the Blues in 2018, around this time in 2018, and then he got fired. And then his replacement is what gave us, oh, and the, how the Blues acted, um, got their cup in 2019. Not saying that Mike Yo, you know, can or can't, you know, get this cup, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers team to a cup or anything like that. Uh, and I don't even know if anyone had the, the Flyers to be a cup contender. Um, but yeah, Mike Yo is going to be the interim uh, head coach for the Philadelphia Flyers for the time being. And then right after the, this um, news came out, I went on Twitter uh, and I was joking around. It's like, and then Mike Yo gets fired. And then the head coach for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms becomes their head coach and then they go on a miraculous uh run and win this uh the stanley cup which i mean if that was to happen how wild would that be though like them basically going off the blues's playbook and then there you go that's that wrote wrote what you need to do just need to fire mike yo you hire your ahl coach and everything's fine that's how you, that's how you do it that's how you that's how you put butts in seats and that's how you won the cup um but all kidding aside, though, yeah, yeah, Mike is the new interim head coach, and hopefully the Flyers can maybe turn things around. But uh doesn't look like they are uh, at the time being, at least at the time being, which we'll get into when we do the on the second half of the show when we talk about standings. Uh, another news, Pittsburgh Penguins purchase, uh, the purchase of the Pittsburgh Penguins by the Fenway Sports Group is now official. It's signed, sealed, delivered. Um and uh, Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle both hold a uh, 5% ownership stake in the team. So they're still attached to it, but they don't have a majority stake any longer. So there you go. Um, and some other wacky news. Um, this past week, the Coyotes 
Arizona Coyotes uh, came out. Oh, at least it was discovered that the Coyotes ended up being delinquent on their ta- taxes, upwards of one point three million dollars in taxes that they, they needed to pay. Um, and then they ended up paying it after uh, oh, miraculously paid it. Um, I mean, you go that long and accrue $1.3 million worth of back taxes and just be like, oh, I forgot, because they said it was just a clerical error is how that, that happened. Just like how when they didn't pay out uh, per diems on time and bonuses on time that they said, oh, it's just a clerical error. It's fine. It's OK. Here's your money. Have a good day. Um, but we all know how the Coyotes' finances end up being is that they don't make enough money to sustain themselves. So they do this thing called revenue sharing. So teams that, you know, are actually successful put some of their money into a pool to go, you know, help the poor, kind of. Um, Now, listen, I I am a fan of the Arizona Coyotes. I have the Arizona Coyotes little uh, logo thingy over here. If you're watching the video version and if you're, you know, if you know, or at least watch the YouTube channel, you know, I have a Kachina jersey and I have a goddamn show on this damn channel called the Yote, the Lone Yote Show. So obviously I care enough to say this team. Like. Clearly, it's been mishandled numerous times in whatever capacity it's either. Freaking ownership doesn't want to pay shit on time. It's freaking not being able to field a competitive team on a night on the ice and sustain any sort of success, regardless of how sporadic it comes. Like the like the only time in their franchise history that they amounted to anything was in 2012 when they almost went to the cup for the first time, the cup final in the, for the first time in franchise history. When they went to the uh, conference finals, um, which I want to say at least they got they at least they won one game in that series. So it's closer than most teams. Closer to most teams, that's for sure. Um, which then um, just to kind of summarize my my uh, video I did on that is that what this is spelling for me, at least how I'm seeing it. It's spelling out to me that this team, surely at this point, you can talk about Tempe, the Tempe reloc- uh, move to Tempe or whatever, all you want. You can talk about it all you want. But the fact that Glendale, from the beginning, from the absolute get-go, before the season even started, said, hey, we are not re- renewing your lease after the season. You're done. You're out of here. So this is the last season at Gila River Arena. Where do they go from there? I don't know. Do they they shack up with their uh, AHL team in Tucson? Who knows? Do they find some somewhere in Phoenix to stay for the time being? I don't know. But what it kind of spells out to me is that, hey, maybe this is the out that we need since this team's not going to have a home kind of a parallel with the Atlanta Thrashers. You know, they, they're they in like a similar situation, at least in the re- arena side of things, where they they didn't want to renew their lease anymore and they weren't going to build them a new building. So and that's how the Winnipeg Jets came back. 
It was like an overnight thing. And you could kind of have the same thing. But with the contingency, and for those that in Quebec, they're like, oh, the Quebec don't exile, you can come back. Um, no, no, it's not, it's not coming back. Because number one, US dollar is stronger than Canadian dollar, for one. Number two, more importantly, number two is the fact that for the first time in forever, we finally have all eight, we have eight teams in each division. Sadly, inconveniently for where the Coyotes currently stand, they are in the central division. We're in a very inconvenient spot because they're the farthest west, farthest travel out of all the team out of all the teams in central division to get to. Even if you're the farthest west previously, the Colorado Avalanche still a long, long ways away. Which, yeah, not ideal. Um, but then that comes out to two possible places that you could put them. That currently have NHL ready arenas and are in a pretty, you know, a decent sized market to where they could be sustainable. And that is Houston, obviously, the big the trophy that the NHL definitely wants to have, or Kansas City, which for the longest time, I want to say at least since 2015, I've been yelling and screaming and moaning about it ever since there was like a wind that this this team over here for watching the the, uh, the video, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I've been screaming and shouting when there's rumblings that, that they were going to come back or when the Nordiques were going to come back um, back in like 2016-2017 time frame. Uh, and Kansas City was one of the teams that they were feeling a uh, like putting feelers out for. And I mean, they have hockey there. They have the Kansas City Mavericks, which is the feeder team for the feeder team for the Calgary Flames, along with, you know, other local um, teams around there. Um, and they have had an NHL team before. It was only for a couple of seasons. And th- that was like before, like mainstream NHL. I was like in the set, like early 70s, where everyone was getting relocated, like on a, on a dime. There was no like TV rights had to worry about. There's no like arena deals you're really having to worry about. Back then, because it's a completely different way of a completely different business model than now. Now you, you're kind of locked in. Like once you move, you're kind of locked in um, to a place for a long while. Well, there, yeah, they only stayed for like a couple seasons and then they moved to Colorado and then they moved to New Jersey to become the New Jersey Devils. So, I mean, I would love, I would love to see Kansas City get a team, namely because if you're wanting to garner a lot of attention and by the grace of the hockey gods themselves, the NHL is actually starting to at least somewhat grow interest in the, and the St. Louis blues as of recent, uh, at least going dating back like 2016. So when we had the uh, winter classic, I want to say it was 2016. Yeah. 2016 seems right. Um, we had it was either 2016 and 2017. I can't honestly remember anymore. Uh, no, yeah, it's 2017. Yeah, it's 2017 because Bacchus was with us in 2016. Then he uh, left after that uh, series loss against the San Jose Sharks. But yeah, reeling back on track. Yeah, freaking 2017. We got the Winter Classic. 
And then in 2019, we got the um, All-Star Game. No. 2018. 18 or 19. We got, we got the All-Star Game. And then after that, we won the Cup. And then now, on the 1st of, this, of January, we're going to be in the Winter Classic again against the Minnesota Wild. And we are putting butts in seats. St. Louis Blues and the Blues fan base are putting butts in seats. And for those that know St. Louis Cardinals baseball, we have this thing called the I-70 series where there's like a four, there's a two games at home, two games away for each team throughout the season that, um, the Kansas, uh, the Kansas City Royals and the Blue and the uh, St. Louis Cardinals play. Is their I seventy series like in state rivalry thing? We could have that. I mean, you could have the same thing with the Dallas Stars and the uh, and if they move to Houston, but travel be smaller. And I mean, it would just I mean it would still keep them in the division. And it opens, it still keeps Houston open in case you're okay, like okay with saying, hey, maybe 36 is a nice round number we could do. Um, let Seattle do its thing for a little bit, and then we may open the up, uh, the idea of going up to 36 teams, and then you kick off this time instead of you know, putting all these teams in the East and the West, maybe this time put more in the West and in the East or one West, one East, and then one West and one East. Um, and then you kick it off with Houston because you, because you could get so much more money, at least the owners themselves, if they want that expansion money, they could definitely reap the benefits of that. If they uh, go to expansion route for Houston and then the relocation route, get to Kansas City. There you go. Um, but yeah, how, how we cycle off from taxes to that. I mean, you could say, oh, I don't know. It's a good question. But this team has had this issue for the longest time. And it's a problem. And at this point, 20 something years in, like, something's got to give like something's got to give just saying but yeah <clears throat> and then uh yeah and then we'll end this half of the episode with uh the turbulent times of the st louis blues so starting with the fact that already robert thomas is out david perron is out Jordan Bennington is out. Clem Costin is out. Tyler Bozak is out. And many others are out with either injury or on protocols. Bozak, I want to say Bozak just came off of protocol, um, but he wasn't available to play today. So I would, exp- I would imagine that he would be uh, traveling with the team to Dallas on Tuesday to go play there. Uh, so they don't have to uh, bring yet another emergency guy because, well, regardless, they might have to because uh, tonight's game, uh, Braden Shen got injured again. 
and uh, didn't come back after coming back on the bench a couple times. And then he ended up uh, leaving the game uh, as OT was starting, as well as uh, Jordan Cairo left the game with an, uh, an injury as well. So injuries keep racking up for the Blues here, um, along with on uh, Tuesday's game against the Panthers. I was in attendance. It was a cool time. Cool time. Uh, Jake Wallman and Vili Husso was out with injuries. Uh, Wallman with an upper body and then Husso with a lower body, respectively. Uh, Robert Thomas and Perron still day-to-day, still not available at this at this point. Uh, and because of the Husso injury, uh, the Blues had to sign John Gillies, who started tonight. Um in a uh, losing effort in OT, but you know, he, uh, he still in his head, tried his damnedest uh, to get this team a win. Uh, nearly did. They nearly did. Um, but Hey, it's okay. When, when you're the fifth string, you know, you kind of have some uh, like the weight is off your shoulders for expectations. I'm, you know, so you're fine. You're fine. Um, but yeah, he had to s- sign up for a contract that specifically had to be like 850,000 or less. And uh, because of that, uh, and the fact that uh, Joel Hofer has contract bonuses um, for like performance and stuff like that, it would go over that um, monetary value. So that's why he was ineligible to come up um, instead of, you know, signing Gillies. Uh, And Nathan Walker was recalled to fill in for Thomas uh, he didn't get to play um, until the Red Wings game um, because the the NHL has a stupid policy to where, hey, you need to call someone in emergency conditions because of injury or protocols. Great. You can do that. But you're not allowed to use him immediately, even if he's able to get there the same, you know, at the same time. You have to wait an entire game. You have to play a game shorthanded if you have to, which lately the past couple games, other than yesterday's game against the Montreal Canadiens, has this team in some way, or shape, or form played with an incomplete roster. They played with 17 um, players against the Red Wings. They played uh, with 17 players against the Panthers, and they played with 17 players again today. Um, but yeah, and all the while the blues with the 17 skaters, they won against the Panthers in OT four three. They won against the Red Wings six, two with, uh, the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie boy. Um, oi, 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 uh, Nathan Walker getting his first hat trick and the first Australian player in the NHL, mind you, to get a hat trick. How about them stats? Um, and won six to two. Um, and then they beat the Canadians with the full, the first, the first time in a long while with the full roster, uh, at least 18 skaters on the ice, uh, four one. Uh, and for that game, they had to call up Matt Pekka because, uh, Wallman was out. So instead of having 11 forwards and six defensemen, uh, they ended up having 12 forwards and six defensemen. But now Jordan Cairo is out with a lower body injury, and now we're back to 11 forwards again. Uh, well, actually, now we're down to 10 because uh, 
they didn't really specify if uh, Braden Shen uh, is going to be out for a little bit, but um, I would expect that. But speaking of Braden Shen, uh, he played his 300th game as a St. Louis Blue today, and he became 68th player in franchise history to reach that accolade. Um, so congratulations to Braden Shen. Hopefully his in- your injury is not uh, too bad and uh, get a speedy recovery because um, we really need you because you're one of our better uh, face-off guys. Please and thank you. Um, but yeah, and last out before we go to the break, uh, Ben Bishop. Uh, he sustained a torn meniscus uh, back in the bubble, in bubble play uh, in Edmonton. Uh, he got surgery over the, like, after the break, I think it was like October sometime of 2020. And uh, spent like 400 something days trying to rehab his uh, meniscus. Went down to the the, the Texas Stars on a uh, in the AHL for a conditioning assignment. Um, on his first game, I guess he uh, didn't get to finish the game, or like something happened to where like I guess like the pain was just it was like very uncomfortable for him to play. Um, so there was a press conference abruptly. Uh, so they moved him up to the Dallas Stars roster so then he can be put on LTIR uh, indefinitely because uh, it's been put out that Ben Bishop is officially done. He's done. Uh, calling it a career uh, after sustaining his torn meniscus and uh, after 14, 413 games with a record, a um, career record of a 921 save percentage and 33 shutouts to his name. Not bad. Not bad at all, um, and who and who knows uh, what could have happened if he didn't get injured? Would the uh, Stars have won in twenty twenty? I, I I would say there would have probably been a uh, possibility, along with if they uh, did if the Dallas Stars didn't run into the red hot St. Louis Blues when they did, would they have went to the Stanley Cup? Maybe. Most definitely, you know, it probably is a probability that it that could have happened. But, you know, it's a, a lot of what ifs. But, hey, um, you know, what, what What can you say? It's, it's, it's a shame to go out the way that, you know, he, he, he did. But uh, he, he played well uh, when he needed to. Went to numerous, numerous uh, cup finals. And you can't take that away from him. You can't. Um, but yeah, with that, uh, and also the fact that he's a fellow St. Louisan, uh, wishing the best in his uh, whatever he plans on doing after hockey, uh, and hopefully his uh, his legs can finally rest easy now. And with that, we'll uh, we'll end this first half, and uh, when we get back from the break, we'll divulge into the uh, madness that is the standings. All right, so divulging into the uh, divisions, uh, as per usual, go to east and then west. So, um, so going over it, the Atlantic Division, not really moving too much. Um, so from bottom to the top here, uh, the Montreal Canadiens are now uh, the worst in the division. With a record of six, 19, and three, dropping down one spot from the seventh place spot to eighth, uh, which that means that the um, 
even though it's not really much of a success because they have games in hand in Montreal. Uh, the Ottawa Senators uh, are seventh place uh, with a record of 7-16-1, jumping up one spot from eighth to seventh. The Buffalo Sabres stand pat at 8-15-3 at sixth place. Uh, Boston Bruins stand pat at fifth place with a record of 13-8-2. The Detroit Red Wings standing pat at fourth place with the uh, second wild card in the uh, Eastern Conference with a record of 13, 12, and 3. And I also should uh, mention that these standings were taken before uh, the Saturday games started. So um, obviously they've changed a lot since then, but um, just want to put that out there. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs fell out of second place and into third uh, with a record of 18, 8, and 2. The Tampa Bay Lightning jump up and swap places with Toronto to second place with a record of 17, 5, and 4. And for once again, uh, even though there's been various times where the, they have fallen out of the uh, first place, but they always find their way when it's like, oh boy, he's going to do the review. Got to get back to first place. Florida Panthers, once again, number one. Uh, but this time, their uh, their time seem, looks like it might be slipping soon because Tampa Bay is one win away from uh, be knocking on the door. So, you got to watch out, Florida. Uh, your streak might end uh, as number one in your division. Metropolitan Division, last place, New York Islanders. The record is 6-11-5, standing pat there. Everyone... In this division, other than the number one and number two, has stayed the same. So I'm not going to keep saying it. So Islanders, still number eight, with a record of 6, 11, and 5. Philadelphia, still number seven, with a record of 9, 12, and 4. New Jersey, still number six uh, in the division, with a record of 10, 10, and 5. Columbus, still number uh, fifth place, with a record of 13, 11, and 1. Pittsburgh, still fourth place and first wildcard holder in the Eastern Conference with a record of 13-8-5. Carolina, still third place with a record of 18-6-1. The only two changes for this Metropolitan Division is that Washington fell out of first place and swapped places with the New York Rangers, with the Washington Capitals at second place with a record of 16-5-6, and, and the New York Rangers holding first place with a record of 18-5-3. Uh, so there you go for the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Central Division, uh, out of all the divisions in the league, uh, changed substantially. Substantially. So eighth place, still Arizona with a record of 5, 19, and 2. Chicago, still seventh place with a record of 10, 14, and 2. Dallas Stars, even though they have a winning record right now, it fell out of uh, the wild card spot as well as... Um, the playoff bubble right now, uh, they're all the way down in sixth place with a record of 13, nine and two madness. Uh, fifth place in the second wild card in the West, uh, the Winnipeg Jets with a record of 13, nine and five, jumping up one spot from sixth to fifth. The St. Louis Blues hold the first wild card spot in the West uh, as of when I took the uh, standings, mind you, uh, with a record of 14, eight and four. Dropping down two spots from second to fourth, the Colorado Avalanche join the top three party for the first time this season 
with a record of 15, seven and two with a uh, jumping up one spot from fourth to third national predators with a record of 16, 10 and one jump up three spots from fifth to second and still number one in the central division, the Minnesota wild with the record of 19, six and one. There you go. And lastly, the Pacific Division, uh, Seattle dropping down one spot from 7th to 8th with a record of 9-15-2. and two. Uh, Vancouver Canucks jump up to 7th place with a record of 11-15-2. and two. Uh, They were last place before. The LA Kings stand pat at 6th place with a record of 11-10-4. and four. Uh, San Jose uh, drops out of not only the wild card contention and not only the uh, all that and uh, the playoff bubble and as a whole uh, with a record of 14 12 and two jumping down one spot from fourth to fifth the Vegas Golden Knights they jumped up one spot from fifth to fourth uh, but they don't hold the wild cards both wild cards belong to the central right now uh, with a record of 15 11 and zero uh, in fourth place in the Pacific division, third place in the Pacific division is the Edmonton Oilers with a record of 16, nine and zero dropping down one spot from second to third. Uh, second place goes to Ant- the Anaheim ducks with a record of 15, eight and five jumping up one spot from third to second. And once again, uh, number one in the division with a record of 15, six and six has not changed their spot from last week is the Calgary Flames. The Calgary Flames, still number one. Um, but we'll see how these teams fare as the team as the t- uh, games roll on. And, and um, watch the Hockey Guy video, uh, I want to say yesterday. And he uh, mentioned something that I found kind of curious. So, with the, I think we're about... A week, a week, a a month and a half away from the Olympic, the three-week Olympic break, and there has been concerns that has you know risen about it, uh, along with the fact that all these teams are having you know protocol issues in their own respective countries of Canada and America, moving all these players to China, and doing with Chinese policies about quarantines and stuff, which apparently can go anywhere between three to five weeks of quarantine time if you catch anything over there, um, which can be daunting, to say the least, a daunting thing to even think about. Um, the NHLPA and the NHL, I guess, have basically come out to say that if you want to go to the Olympics, they're not going to try to push you. It's all at the discretion of the players. So if there's no players that end up going to the Olympics, which I'm sure there might be a couple if, you know, if they uh, not going to say like everyone is going to, but there surely will probably be some um, that they, yeah, if they want to go over there, you know, the players can go over there within that three week period. But if they catch COVID over there or pop pop, if they pop positive, then they're going to have to be uh, subjected to a three to five week quarantine period. And that ain't good. Um, And since 
the uh, there's that three week period in um, the schedule. He made a good point that uh, a lot of the arenas probably have their schedules filled in that void that the NHL put out because of the Olympic break. So trying to schedule games that, you know, or like push the schedule up so it can kind of be like traditional NHL hockey again, or instead of uh, ending the season at the end of April, you're ending it like the first, like four days of April. um, And we can be back on track, you know, right like that. Um, because of that, we might see just three weeks of no NHL hockey, just a three week break and back. All right. Well, that's all the games. See you in three weeks. Hey, hey. um, which I'm like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be very depressing. But side note, regardless if there's NHL players or not still have, um, the Olympic hockey you could watch is ain't the summer Olympics. It's actually the one that, you know, I like it's the winter Olympics. Um, but with that said, he also rose a good point that with a three week period, you could, and as I just listed all those people that were injured for the blues, let alone whatever injuries you guys' respective franchises are also dealing with too, which I'm sure there's a lot of them especially the Islanders fans out there. Uh, yeah, you're, you're still getting reamed with injuries and protocols and all that. Um, you could see a three-week resting period for everyone to get healthy and then just absolutely brutalize each other. When everyone's healthy, every, like everyone in the league is like as healthy as ever, and then just have all this energy and just freak. Like imagine the game with just a three week pause. And then they come back after that three week pause and just beat the living daylights out of each other to try to get to the playoffs and then beat the living hell out of each other in the playoffs to get the cup. I mean, gotta say that, that that's very intriguing. I I would certainly like to see how that plays out. It, it would be a, it would definitely be a bold strategy cotton. And uh, I would definitely like to see how it uh, p- p- uh, plays out for them. But, uh, but yeah, that's, um, that's that. That's that. That's this. And barring any more changes to the old schedule, we will have the podcast at least taped on saturday so it will release on time hopefully and um with that also kind of a little bit of a teaser um i had around the beginning of the year an idea to do a non-hockey YouTube channel. I know I know I'm diverting from hockey here for a second, but bear with me. That might be diversifying the old portfolio, as they say, of the content and 
see how it goes. And um, with availability, you know, there might be less videos on here as I try to venture over there, but we'll see. But surely this, this out of the two channels, this one's going to be the one that I'm actually going to uh, release and for the near future plan on uh, making my number one. Uh, out of the two but just just saying that hey new channels coming it's coming it's coming soon and for those that are in in my inner circles you know what it is but um but yeah that's that i'll, I'll leave you with that and uh catch you all in the next one thank you very much